You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the eighth episode of Bugs, entitled Hot Metal. Episode synopsis. Two men, both observing very sloppy safety protocols, are taking part in a demonstration. Da Silva is showing a potential buyer the enormous commercial properties of a new substance, R6, which, through the application of a wave thingamajiggy, explodes silently. Yeah, I'll have some of that, says the buyer, if you can get your hands on it. Soon De Silva, with the aid of an inside man, whom he promptly betrays by knocking him unconscious, is breaking into Millennium Metals, the developers of R6. He silently explodes the wall of the building and tries to get in. Unfortunately for him, a guard, somewhere else in the building, feels the explosion and decides to check things out. The guard first finds the exploded wall, and then the injured security guard outside. Putting these two pieces of the puzzle together, he decides to ring the alarm. De Silva flees without obtaining what he was after. Kent, from HM Government, bring in Beckett and Team Bugs to bolster security at Millennium Metals. While working on superconductors, they accidentally developed R6, which has an unfortunate, or fortunate depending on your point of view, flaw. It explodes when exposed to a specific sonic frequency. Think of the enormous potential to kill people, says Beckett. Exactly, says Kent, representative of HM government. That's why we, as the good guys, must not let this fall into the hands of the bad guys. Roz and Ed discover that while the security system at Millennium Metals isn't as top class as they thought it was, their security cameras do at least have incredible resolution. Ed notices that the building next door has security cameras and goes to see if they can get the surveillance tapes from last night's incident. Ed is denied, despite being a hired representative of HM government investigating a crime with national security implications. What to do, what to do, what to do? I know, let's break in and steal it. Which they do. The video they steal contains a perfect view of the attempted robbery. In the footage, they not only see the explosion blowing out the wall, but they also see two security guards in line of sight of the crime, less than 30 meters away, but with their backs to the explosion, completely fail to notice the events unfolding right behind them. If only they'd been able to feel the explosion like the control room guard, or perhaps even notice when they were being pelted with debris from the explosion. Obviously, the explosion was silent. It must be done with sound-canceling waves. The video also reveals that the guard, Wallace, was complicit. He's in hospital, unconscious, and Beckett pays him a visit and bugs his clothes and bag. Before Beckett leaves the hospital, De Silva turns up disguised as a doctor, intending to kill Wallace. Beckett overhears a nurse's comment about a strange doctor and goes to check on Wallace. He interrupts the attempted murder, but is nearly killed himself by De Silva before he manages to escape. With a tape recording that he had on his person, Beckett got enough audio for Ross to do a voice print match, identifying De Silva. The file says he is an effective and nasty arms dealer. Team Bugs suspect there's another leak at the highly classified project. They speak to Vermeer, head of the company, and he points the finger of suspicion to Charlesworth, inventor of R6, who was fired under unpleasant terms, after he wanted to weaponize R6 and sell it for boatloads of cash. Kent reveals to Beckett that HM Government has a research facility that has some samples of R6. Beckett is upset that he wasn't told, but as Kent shows him around the facility, she assures him that their security is top class. All the while, De Silva is stealing the R6 from the facility right under their noses. He shoots Kent during his getaway. Don't worry, it's just a flesh wound through the torso. Wallace checks himself out of the hospital against doctor's advice, and Team Bugs use the tracking bugs to follow him to De Silva's hotel, where he meets De Silva and Charlesworth. When Charlesworth leaves, Beckett and Roz 
get Ed to tail him back to his secret hideout. I think we all know which member of Team Bugs is in mortal jeopardy this week. Back in the hotel, De Silva cleans up the loose end of Wallace by killing him. De Silva bests Beckett and Roz by not only eluding them, but also detecting their bug he's picked up and leaving it on their car as he makes good his getaway. He heads for De Silva's secret hideout, begging the question, if they were both heading for the secret hideout, why did they meet in the hotel room? Ed's awkward attempts to bug them are detected, and he is captured and tied to a bomb made of highly prized R6 in a room conveniently laid out with a floor of optical beams that, if broken, will play the precise tone needed to detonate the R6. To further complicate that, De Silva has the world's best audio fidelity answering machine, on which he's placed both a cheery farewell message for Ed and the exact frequency tone needed to detonate the R6. Let's hope no telemarketers call. The baddies also get hold of Ed's headset, which is still on, allowing them to hear everything Roz and Beckett say, but apparently not vice versa. Roz completes her overhaul of Millennium Metal's security system, which is like shutting the barn door after the horse has escaped because someone has already stolen all the R6. It's Vermeer, head of the company, who's had it all put in an armored truck and then ditched the guard that was accompanying him. Realizing that the armored truck is on the road, and that all the roads have traffic cameras, Beckett goes to the traffic center to see if he can get access to the video. He is allowed, probably because he is a hired representative of HM government investigating a crime with national security implications. Between cameras and the helicopter Roz is in, they zero in on Vermeer, all the while leaking the information directly to De Silva and Charlesworth. Charlesworth, being familiar with Vermeer, figures out where Vermeer is going, and they get there first. Charlesworth is getting cold feet about them leaving Ed to die, despite the fact that he practically gave the order to De Silva to kill Wallace earlier. Now, De Silva kills Vermeer too, chilling Charlesworth's feet even further. When Beckett, Roz, and Kent arrive, De Silva uses the threat to Ed's life to force them to load the R6 in his car. Then, he calls the number to kill Ed anyway. But in doing so, Charlesworth has had enough killing and tries to stop De Silva, killing him in the process. Luckily, Ed has extracted himself, for once, from danger on his own. Later, in the tag scene room, Kent presents a silver turd to Team Bugs on behalf of HM Government, and Ross uses the sound cancellation wave for a higher purpose, shutting Ed up. Okay, what do you think of Hot Metal? Well, I... What did I think of it? That's a good question, actually. I think I probably quite enjoyed it. I've got I've got a list of um, niggles and th- pick <laughs> holes that I was picking in it, but also I've got a few things that I thought were quite sort of the they were typical bugs. If that's it's it feels a bit like the show is getting its own it, its own sense of what it is, and that includes the kind of crazy flaws that seem to riddle it. And it just doesn't care about. But also <laughs> some of the things about the kind of uh, energy and locations and um, tech uh, obsessions that it has. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is very uh, it is very typical. Um, I mean, particularly in the fact that a one member, of course, will be captured and put in jeopardy. Of course. And uh, although atypical in that he got out on his own and uh, B, they have to break in somewhere and perform some illegal act to perform something that they probably could have done in a different way. I mean, that is their go to M.O. Let's break in. <laughs> oh, yes. But it, I mean, if you had it, if you had any concerns that they might not, they might not understand the illegality of the the data breaches that they were committing by hacking into various people you can now set your mind at rest they know they are they are well aware of or if they did know um how illegal it was it certainly wouldn't it wouldn't in any way put them off because (laughs) they have i guess they have a higher purpose on their side so i i mean i've just started keeping a list of the ethical violations like (laughs) stealing the security footage 
um, ransacking the room of a hospital patient, um, mm -hmm. breaking into a room in a hotel that was occupied by someone who had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. Mm -hmm. And it did, it did occur to me that it would be a wonderful opportunity, and I doubt they will go here, but it would be a wonderful opportunity if at some point they wanted to introduce a kind of guest, a guest crew, a rival crew, who actually played by the rules. And so their goal was to track down these, these kind of serial violators of people's privacy and uh, well and homes and workplaces to be honest <laughs> that's that's the 2020 version that will come along someday when they remake it will be the ethical violators <laughs> i mean the thing I, about the thing about bugs is it, it it never questions any of the actions that our heroes take it's 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 virtue ethics in the sense that our guys are the good guys. So whatever they do must be okay. It's very much, it's very much uh, a sort of new version of the old Western, right? The, the, this frontier yeah. of yeah. electronics is the wild West where there is no law. And so it's, it is, well, the good guys versus the bad guys on a clean slate doing whatever they need to do, uh, whether or not that's technically illegal. Yeah. Well, you can certainly say that in relation to the to the kind of computer hacking side of things. But I think that when you when you come to stealing security footage or lying your way into a hospital or whatever, whatever it is, then I think you've got a clear cut violation and. It wouldn't be the case that there is no law, except that we never see the law in this. So we see a world in which, and it's a familiar world in many ways, in which we would understand that there would be bobbies on the beat, and or if not, the police would be at the end of a telephone. And yet, once again in this episode, do we see any any police liaison or anything like that? Yeah, Be nah. because when when um they find Wallace dead, do they call the police? Do they? I mean, they didn't seem to worry about leaving fingerprints. Just nope. leave the scene, and then right at the end, Vermeer is dead. And you, I mean, because the episode cuts, it's the, it's cuts away to the tag scene at the point where Beckett is kind of turning over the body. It makes you wonder: is he actually going to sort of? call that in is he finally going to report a homicide well that would but be you somehow don't job. believe she was it. there she was there it's her job i guess so but i mean in, i'm interested in, uh, the 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 repeated um the repeated suggestion in your synopsis is that she works for her majesty's government and so one of my questions was why did you think that she said so she said she worked for the government yeah yeah at the beginning of the episode Okay, I missed that. Millennium Metals is working on 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 a project for for us. It, it was the way for us. Yeah, yeah. But she, mm. but she says the government thought the implication, if not the word, was absolutely clear. Well, that's what I'm interested in because I don't think the word is there. So I'm 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 just curious what you inferred it from. I know what I inferred it from, but it seemed pretty flimsy, and I wouldn't have been as certain about it. Hmm. I'll tell you the I'll tell you the line I picked up was my department has hope, high hopes for it. Oh yeah, that and too. There's, some, there's something about that which says government department, but it doesn't say government department. And I thought that was interesting because immediately I'm thinking, well, if that is a government department, it's the department of what? But actually, of HM government. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, I mean, I... what does the department do? Like, is it is it the is it Department of Defense? Is it the Home Office? What department is it? Because it doesn't... When you, when you say I work for a department, I work for a department, but I don't work for the government. But nobody says that. No, nobody puts the... Oh, yeah, no, we do. When we, when we... No, absolutely, we would. When we, when, we, when we talk internally, and she's talking to people who are hired, and therefore it is, it is kind of not unexpected that she would be using internal jargon, we would say, yeah, my department's doing this, my department's doing that. So I think... I think 
But you wouldn't I think understand. possibly what you're what you're picking up on is the way in which in TV shows that has become a synonym for a clandestine department of government that people do not want to identify because historically of the difficulty of saying you know so and so works for MI5 or MI6 or whatever it is so you so often and it and there, there are I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but, you know, ITC shows and the like where they talk about the department. And, of course, what they mean is MI5. Yeah, I'm going to say that I don't... I mean, I don't... You haven't put any doubt in my mind that that she was government. Um, I'm not trying to put doubt in your mind. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm purely interested in what what was it that made you so certain? It's, you know, it's one thing when you are talking about, you know, and I've worked for a government agency that's not the military, and you absolutely do refer to it as the department. In our case, the department is the agency. For an American, in most cases, the department is the, well, yeah, my case, it was something more like insurance, but still, it's like, but the, yeah, the, but if, I, if you is, said, well, I, I work for a, I work for a three letter authority, be like, yeah, but if, oh, if right. I was referring to internally, it Police. would be my division or I would say our department or my department is interested in this, this data or something of that nature. But I finding it hard to believe that if they had a company working on their behalf, developing superconductor material, which seems more like Department of Transportation, Department of of Energy, Department of of something of that nature. If you were talking, you, you'd be my company. You'd say my company, and that's I think where it. Well, you wouldn't necessarily. I mean, what my, you because a company can have various departments in it. I mean, I'm yeah, when I they say can, my but, department. I'm working in a in in the public sector, even though it's non-governmental. Well, you still have departments in companies. So what I think is is wonderful, and it, and it is a kind of hallmark of this, well, not just this show, shows like this, is the way in which they can convey something that is of some significance within the plot. I, if, not, if not that it is a specific government department, then it has to do with Kent's authority, and what she represents. And they can do it without ever saying anything that, you know, goes into the kind of detail that you feel like you might need in a more realistic or naturalistic show, a show where the kind of authenticity of it needed to be made credible by providing details. It's a very, it's a sort of, it's a way of waving your hand and going, well, it's the sort of, it's this it's the 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 government it's it's this it's this authority it's the boss class you don't even need to understand anything about government in fact it's better that you don't it's just the idea of authority and i think this is only the second time that they've worked for the government assassins inc being the other instance. now that was explicitly government yeah because i think they named the name the uh, ministry i guess would be the correct term but in that one yeah i'm gonna say i enjoyed the episode i mean it was a it was a fun it was a fun watch it it played with my expectations at least once completely fouled me up um i got i got called away so just at the moment when ed is uh getting away from stealing the video footage and he's climbing the fence and he says Oh, well, their state-of-the-art security system wasn't very good. And that's the moment I had to pause the tape and go off and do something. And when I came back, I was absolutely dead set positive that the alarms were going to go off in the next instant. Because that's exactly the kind of stupid line you don't say in television as you're escaping the scene of the crime. (laughs) And normally, it would be to prove you wrong. But in this case, they didn't. So, I mean, they, they really... Really messed with my expectations there. A, a lot, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it, but it, it did hurt in places. And I think the, the part that 
hurt me the most is what the heck is the nature of R6? Is it yes? Can it go off by being driven too fast on the road? Can can shaking it or shouting at it real loud like they threatened Ed in the face with it? Can that make it go off? Or is it what they said that it can only be detonated by a certain particular sonic frequency? Well, the That's thing one. that but the thing that on, on its own that isn't something that necessarily troubled me a great deal. The thing that did but, trouble me was this was an episode in which the the MacGuffin is this sound Sorry. triggered that's the next metal. part yeah <laughs> but there is this silencing technology <laughs> that is a nothing to do with the r6 good that was my question and b it has... ends up it ends up being completely a, a, a tangential element of the plot there's more okay well i'm going to carry through then at the beginning when Da Silva is showing the buyer this amazing tech, right? He places an explosive with an electronic detonator and he blows it up with them just hiding behind a tiny little column, which is nuts, but okay. Then he goes back, he places another explosive with an electronic detonator, points the sound wave thingy at it, turns it on, blows it up it's dead silent and now the buyer is all hot to buy r6 but that's well, but not r6 i don't think when you say the buyer why are you not naming he says oh did he have a name charlesworth was that charlesworth at the beginning i didn't i didn't notice yeah so why would he be buying r6 would be my question i would have thought he's interested you're in right i did not technology. recognize that was our that was charlesworth that was disposable guy. I did not put him together okay. with the guy later on in the show. Because the way he said it, he's like, well, I'll give you a double if you can get that. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, okay, then that's not as bad. Um, that's not as bad. But you're right. It's still weird that we have the sonically detonated metal and the sonic noise cancellation device, which and seems... And never the twain shall meet. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like that's a far more useful invention for killing people <laughs> the way it's for, well then what the noise cancelling yeah i mean the noise can the noise cancelling thing is the more it's the more interesting it's higher concept it's actually kind of vaguely connected to real technology in the sense that you know we now commonly use noise cancelling headphones and things that probably would have been a, a huge novelty in 1995 but obviously there are some issues with the science in this so you know there is an explanation every noise has its own frequency pattern well yeah okay i'm on board with that this is an explosion um i i, I was going to say yeah. explode explosions are noisy but i mean obviously noisy that's the point isn't it they're noisy in the sense of not being a a pure sound signal right you're With you're actually having sounds. to you've got lots of frequency patterns and you have to and 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 you've also got the shock waves as the you know the vibrate so it is it's a and bit of debris a falling indeed indeed all, you, all of that so I, I can I can see I mean if if you want me to guess which of these two and I, it is guesswork I genuinely don't know the answer to this but which of these two technologies came from Brian Clemens I would say it's the noise cancelling thing because that's a typical kind of Clemens trope to say to take to take something that as an inspiration and go oh what could you do with that and you go oh you could have silent explosions and of course silent explosions look cool on tv because you see the explosion and you expect to hear it and you don't hear it and that's really attention grabbing so <laughs> it's understandable why they wanted to use that concept even if it doesn't quite stack up you need a bit more in the execution to explain it yes do you remember uh Kolchak, the night stalker uh they are or they have been they are they will be the space You'll aliens that had me. the space aliens oh. eating marrow out. They could explode buildings absolutely yes. silently. And that failed so miserably on camera. You just like, I, it feels like they just dropped the audio out. 
Yes. It just, well, which it, they do. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, this it's also easy. This didn't work either. I, 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 you could do this. You could make this work, I think, if you had a really good Foley team that went in and made the other things that would accompany an explosion dis- appear again. Like yeah. the bricks hitting the ground and yeah. like, you know, whatever dust and particles and, and, you know, that kind of. Well, except why couldn't you, thing. why couldn't you noise cancel those as well? I mean, the thing is, if you, if you had the, if you had the thing tuned to a particular sound, let's say the particular note that happens to trigger R6, which is a very specific frequency, that would be, that would be easy to pre-program. If you're going to cancel out an entire explosion, you need it to... I mean, I guess it has to have some kind of microphone to be picking up the sounds that it's going to take out. So how is the microphone going to distinguish between the actual shock of the explosion and the bits of debris hitting the floor or whatever? It's it's probably not. It's going to just pick up sounds within, you know, the the area at which the microphone is pointed so I get. I mean, I guess if you could, you could do it with a you know a brick falls outside that area, and that makes a noise. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I it. I mean, obviously that's not. They've they've got a point. Noise cancellation is a thing. I've got noise canceling headphones, which of course you. I'm wearing them at this very moment, and I can absolutely still hear things going on in my room. Yes, and you've got and you've got a barrier around your ears, and and so yeah. in a way, what I was expecting is that somehow this thing would project some kind of barrier force field thing through which the air vibrations would be unable to. It would somehow stop the the vibrations within the air on one side of the barrier from affecting the air on the other side of the barrier. But of course, I mean, how on earth would you do that? It, there's no. There's no kind of tech that you could extrapolate even now, 25 years on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this was not as well. I don't know if it's as well thought out as it could be, because if it was as well thought out as it could be, you might just go, it well, it be can't bugged. be done. So we won't we won't we won't do it. I mean, there, I, I think no, 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 I no, think there's I, a layer I, of that in this show. I, 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 yes, which is we, no, I'm I. I mean, if you're making the point I think you're making, it was what I was about to say, which is that Bugs is based on doing that. And if you're going to watch the show, then you've got to pretty much accept that. I still think it's fair criticism to say sticking the R6 in as well doesn't help within the, you know, within the parameters of the show and the kind of nonsense that we have to accept. It's still, it's messy. What would it have would it have been better if they had R six could have been anything. It didn't have to be an explosive. Right? It could have been a bioweapon or it could have been I mean it could have been any other kind of thing that kills people. And by not making it an explosive, it might have been a little more clear and it didn't really matter what the R six was. That that, that, no, but that I the R six had explosive like you... properties, but as opposed to this guy yeah. running around blowing things up it it just you needed explosions to cancel out with the noise cancelling technology but that could have been done with conventional semtex or whatever well i think the... it was in most cases in this episode well well fine then i mean you don't need the r6 the noise cancelling technology is an, is enough of a of a technology for the government if it was the government to be interested in and for de silva and whoever else to be interested in and you could have set it up that, you know, they had a prototype, but they needed to go in and get the latest production version because whatever. So I it just it just felt like I spent too much of the episode going, right, I'm waiting for the connection. How is how is this technology based on R6 or how is this technology going to defeat R6? I, I can I mean, I I think now reflecting back with the you know putting charlesworth in at the beginning of the episode makes a huge difference instead of just generic weak spineless looking baddie um he um the only two r6 explosions in this episode are the test explosion in the lab when they demo it after breaking the glass and when ed nearly gets blown up right that's that's it everything else was a conventional explosion okay across the board so 
that's what I'm saying. I mean, the R6 being an explosive is just unnecessary and is in a way confusing because it doesn't it doesn't tie up to this yeah. at all. You could use the noise canceling device to cancel the noise that would have blown up Ed and then you would have taken the technology and used it to hoist the by their own petard. But see that would have been a tie in. They could have made that work. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I felt like the the R six was almost reverse engineered for the trap that they set ed which <laughs> was yes. pointlessly elaborate Ooh, yeah given that they were going to kill him anyway it it brought them nothing to wait and then kill him and it must have taken a huge amount of setup to create all of those beams and everything that would trigger the noise rather yep. than triggering the explosion directly and so yep. what were those beams? Did they set it up specifically? I mean, what did they set it up for? Was there some other thing? Did they set it up specifically in order to trigger an explosion? In which case, what what was the purpose of the explosion they were planning to trigger? Because surely they couldn't have been anticipating that Ed would blunder in and they'd catch him. So that that part really stretched credibility quite a bit. And, you know, considering that they've only just gotten hold of R6. Now, here's another bit. I mean, they, they, they haven't had R6 for long, and they've only got a very small quantity of R6. <laughs> yeah. So it's very valuable. You would not want to use it to blow up Ed when the guy's obviously quite good with explosives himself. But they've got this, this small quantity of R6. How did they test to find out that a recording of the tone on an answering machine would actually detonate it because it wouldn't. Well, they recorded the tone onto the answering machine. I mean, they yes, must have but had. You know that they must an have had something that would not have the fidelity. The yeah, but that's the sort of thing you should really test. <laughs> does, does it? Will it really go off if I if I play this back on a tape recording? Because it wouldn't. I don't think. I mean, you do not get the same tone out of a recording that you do of the actual. Well, it depends. We don't know what the frequency is. If it was, if the the recording will produce audible, will produce frequencies. Yeah, with yeah, within a certain frequency range. Not even all audible frequencies, I think, on cassette no. tape. Or but worse, one of those digital ones that they had back then. It it, it it'll it'll depend on where on the frequency spectrum it is. How well it is reproduced and yeah i i would i would agree you probably would want to test it if we had a scope we could find out because we saw them use the tone to set off the demo of course the only thing we would be able to tell is what the frequency is after it's been recorded and played back on television which is the same problem <laughs> as as the recorder only at least a little higher fidelity anyway that was yeah um yeah i think that's a i i think that was a that was was bizarre <laughs> that was just bizarre for them to it, it, it just two and a half seconds of thinking and you go why are all these beams across the floor what were they going to do with this room or did they just set that up have they captured ed and then spent all that time setting up this elaborate trap or this elaborate death thing when when it had been quicker to kill him and 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 you you do then you get that subsequent Charles was saying, I don't want to kill people because they've left Ed in a trap, which is A, pretty useless, because at that point, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to go back and release him? But B, follows on from, I mean, as far as I could tell, Charlesworth was explicitly telling De Silva to kill Wallace earlier in the That's exactly what I took out of that. So when he says, I don't want to kill people, well, yes, he does. Yes, he did. He already did. Okay, good. I, that's how I took this because, you know, when he says, I don't know about killing people, I thought, oh, he's having remorse about Wallace. And that guy we left back, was like, wait, you're having remorse about Ed? <laughs> like, what about Wallace? You definitely said, you definitely said he basically did. the word, you didn't say kill him. He says, I don't like Deal this guy him. being around. He, he, he can talk. Deal with him. That's, that means kill him to a, in this line yes. of work <laughs> yes because he, because how else are you going to stop him from talking i mean i yeah. i think deal with him in that context is pretty clear so that was that part bothered me um 
because it it seems like they've forgotten what he did before. Well, it seemed like Charlesworth was the one who was slightly more trigger happy than De Silva, or at least, is, you know, not. Yeah, literally. we don't know if De Silva wasn't... went to kill him in the hospital on Charlesworth's orders or just on his own. And and why? There's another question. Let's go with that one. De Silva breaks in with the help of Wallace. Wallace lets him in, and De Silva immediately turns around and chops him down, knocks him unconscious so badly that he puts him in a hospital. <laughs> but he doesn't just kill him there on the spot. He doesn't drag his body over to where he's going to detonate the explosion and blow it up. He doesn't... Yeah. He then because... Let's, yeah, and then afterwards he goes, oh, you know, maybe I had to go kill that guy. Yeah. But, but that's because you think De Silva isn't, it, isn't wanting to kill him, and it's Charlesworth who is, and then it turns turns it around later in the episode that suddenly de silver is the one who wants to kill ed and charlesworth is the one who's having second thoughts and up, up to the point of actually killing de silver i i am you know very pleased actually that they put a line in this where de silva tells charlesworth he says this is arms trade you're selling explosives explosives are for killing people, right? I mean, this that, that, is, that is exactly what he's doing here. He's trying to make a weapon to kill people and you kind of, and you're doing it illegally to get around it. And yeah, qualms about killing people just does not seem to fit in, in this context. He must not care if, if people get killed. He has to, it, yeah, it didn't come off quite right. And it, I think it could have been worked around, but it, it just didn't. It just didn't come off. Well, right. it's yes. Again, I think it seemed to be reverse engineered. So you get the solution where Charlesworth shot to Silver, but I don't know why you needed to do that because you could have had to Silver shoot Charlesworth if that was the you know if if De Silver was the one who was less bloodthirsty, then stick with that. I mean, why does it matter? Would Ed have ki- or would Beckett have killed Charlesworth if Ed was dead? Because he sure sounded like he was threatening that. Or was it Roz? One of the two. It was it was Roz, I think, and it yes, it did. And we know that Roz isn't above killing people. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, although they are standing there in front of Kent, representative of HM government. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and uh, okay, so speaking of which, there there are two questions I have about shooting in this. The first one is right in that scene. How come Charlesworth shot. He shoots De Silva with Beckett standing behind De Silva. Oh yeah, I've got that he, down. He should be dead. How does he? The, the bullet should have gone right through him. Well, I don't know whether it should or not. I would have to defer to a, a ballistics expert on that. But I'm assuming that Charlesworth also isn't a ballistics expert, and so he's actually taken the shot, knowing that Beckett is standing right behind. Which, okay, when that, he's all, oh, I don't want to kill people, is a bit like, well, you pretty nearly killed two. That scene was a little confused to me. I kind of thought that that was a, a bit of a struggle kill, as opposed to Charlesworth getting the gun and then consciously shooting the... You mean, right, okay, so you think Charlesworth might not have noticed that Beckett was behind. And right, so, I think he was he was in a fight for his life, and... So it would have been an accident that he had shot Beckett and actually it turned out to be an accident that he didn't actually shoot Beckett. Shoot Beckett, yeah, I think so. I mean, yes, now there was a silencer on that gun. A silencer does reduce muzzle velocity. I'm not an expert enough to know. I'm, I'm fully and freely admit that but it does reduce muzzle velocity, which would reduce penetration. It's going to depend on the type bullet. It's going to depend on the size of the the round of the gun. And you know, it could hit his spine and deflect. It could be all sorts of things. But just kind of shooting him in the soft, fleshy tummy area, as he appeared to do, it did kind of look like, it looked immediately to me like that bullet should have at least gone through at that range and come out the other side. So, you know, but I used to know an idiot, and I'll I'll classify this 100%. I used to know this idiot who who once stood somewhere wearing a heavy leather jacket 
and tried to convince somebody to shoot him with a twenty two caliber bullet because oh if God. I tighten my muscles and stretch this juice, you can't penetrate. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> now that that is a, that is more or less an episode of the New Avengers. So yeah, so <laughs> I saw somebody do that, and I think he was serious. Fortunately, no one was willing to take him up on that. But it was it was like, dude, I wouldn't bet my life on that. No, <laughs> like, I don't been, care what and that would, I don't care what your expertise is. Um, I I wouldn't let somebody shoot me if I was wearing a bulletproof vest. Just no, you know, it's like yeah, you know, no, no. I, I, mean, I might wear a bulletproof vest. Shot. Yeah, I might wear a bulletproof vest at some point in my life if I was in fear of my mortal danger, but that would be a precaution, not a thing I was doing to see if it worked. <laughs> really, and I, I, I wonder what the uh, what the defending barrister at the subsequent trial would uh, would be able to make out of that. You shot him. You should go to jail. <laughs> but he asked me to. Really, he did. It's like no, no, no. <laughs> so while we're talking about uh while we're talking about ballistics and identifying the angles and so forth people shoot at each other in this you th you said that kent was shot through the torso so i wonder how you knew that isn't that where she grabbed she's gonna look like when, she was when she when got she's, hit when she's hit yeah she 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 falls down the stairs i thought she which, reached you know, probably for part of her yeah for her no her she she throws her arms body. up in the air okay so you didn't but then later on she says it missed all the vital organs which would imply that it went through the torso and didn't hit anything i mean if it went through her arm well except at the point where she says arm. that but it's her arm that's in that's bandaged up so i assumed it was her arm i thought it was bandaged up because it was that upper part of her body that attached to the arm but okay i'll i'll take your Either way, it was just a I'm just, I'm just checking. So it's okay. Yeah. No, I, I, it, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't see where she had been shot in the scene where she is actually shot. And my impression, the by the way she fell, by the way that, that then she was bandaged up, my impression is that it would have been in the upper rib cage near the shoulders. But from, know, the way like, you, from the way she falls, you can't tell anything. She falls backwards. She throws her arms up in the air. She falls backwards down the stairs. The the bandages. It looks like she's got her arm in a sling. Mm. But I, so I mean that in the in the scene where she was shot, I I thought she might have been fatally wounded because you can't tell where she's been shot. She definitely and looked like in the she scene was where she's in that, where that she's scene, still yeah. alive. You think she's definitely not fatally wounded because she's talking and stuff and her arm is in a sling so i thought her arm was where she'd been shot but and apparently so minimal of a thing that it's you know can't be very long afterwards and they've just patched her up and sent her on her way without well again she's shot without, through a fire yeah. escape so you don't know whether you don't know whether it's a ricochet or or you know <laughs> so what 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 about what about the other tech in this then what what do you think of any of that? I mean, there was the voice match database. Yeah, wash, hacking into Washington, D.C. There's another ethical violation for you. Haven't they used that before? Uh, maybe they have, yes. I'd, I hadn't even made that connection. I was just thinking, that's kind of interesting. They're matching someone's voice pattern to a database. Where have they got, where has Washington got, all of these voice samples that they can quit so so readily get a hit i mean it can't be easy going around collecting people's voices i cannot for the life of me remember the name of the u.s project collect all that stuff but uh the real one but uh <laughs> oh there is one wow yeah well i i don't know i mean i could believe it now because this, now yeah now there's, there's so much more data that you could that you could tap into and and pick up on but I, 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 that, I was kind of impressed by that that's part of that whole snowden stuff is some of those projects that we have that are monitoring all the cell phone networks yes yes right but so, then in 1995 the chances that any given person would be using a cell phone uh, that's way terrorists would certainty. terrorists would i guess <laughs> that seems like you know drug dealers terrorists uh, arms dealers those seem like the people who would have cell phones first i mean that is how technology uh, 
goes. I mean, the people who make a lot of money can afford to use that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it goes straight to the criminals. I mean, it goes straight to people who work in Wall Street and, and the other criminals, like drug dealers. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, the, the, one, the technology that, that, that brought a smile to my face in this episode? All I have to do is hit the send button. <laughs> I thought, oh, the send button. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those on a phone in forever. <laughs> it just, it brought back a flood of memories. What does it do? <clears throat> I've never had a send button. You know, you dial the number and then you hit call, basically. Oh, I see. Right. But a lot of them used to say send on them. <laughs> like... Okay. That's strange. <laughs> I know. I, I, You know, when he did that and I'm like, wait a minute, do... Do phones still have a send button? And I had to break out my phone, you know, because prior to that, on a landline, you just dial the number, at least in the United States, you just dial the number. Oh, yes. And when you dialed the last number of the phone number, it would know and it would automatically connect to the thing. But when you go to the cell phone era, you had to type the number and then go, OK, that's the number I want to dial. And uh, Well, there's, there, there are buttons on all my phones that have a sort of green they're green and they usually have a picture of an old-fashioned handset for some reason. Right, right. That's the, and that's essentially the same the function, button. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That is oh, the I send understand. button. Yeah, but it was just funny that he said press the send button. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> whoever you know, whoever came up with that a long time ago when they were making cell phones was really not doing the best uh, user interface design. <laughs> The call button makes far more sense. I mean, they they a lot of them had that too, but it just is funny. Okay. Well, I liked I liked the CCTV that had sufficient resolution to pick up the date on a newspaper mm-hmm. in a man's pocket in a full height. You know, yeah. That that had to be twenty foot away from him. Yeah, that was that was bad, and she didn't even have to enhance it. No, she was just no, like there was zoom in and there. No, is. no faffing around. No. No kind of, the, you know, the thing they do when they kind of press a button and magically all the pixelated blocks resolve yes. themselves into ultra high resolution. But no, straight to the high. Re- and to be honest, why not? I mean, if you're going to have this nonsense in it, you might as well do it with a bit of panache. Yeah. So it's just a nice 8K security camera. Absolutely. Mind you, it's a bit of fake, bit of fake footage. So maybe they maybe they shot it with some. Oh, absurdly high quality yeah. equipment yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 or you know a, a, a massive movie camera that w- wouldn't have caused the the security guard to look twice at it as he did his daily patrol i have to assume that they just stole that footage from somewhere else like from the previous that was my tape. assumption yeah it was, yeah yeah exactly like they recorded it and so they were using the standard installed equipment which just happened to be super duper high resolution which I have to say, that confused me, too. It did confuse me, too, because you have the scene of De Silva walking into the, the show, or into the show, walking, you know, up to the place, the bomb. And then you see the security guard see, and you know he's already knocked the guard unconscious. Then a little while later, you see the security guard in the control room look down, and we see a security guard look up at the camera. And I couldn't even tell that was Wallace. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's just a guy in a uniform. He looks at the camera and he waves at the camera and he walks on. I thought that was Da Silva. I thought Da Silva had grabbed the guard's uniform, put it on so that he could walk through the cameras and be Scott. But then the next shot, you see Da Silva back in his clothes in again. And I'm like, really? He got back in his clothes just because he didn't want to commit the rest of the crime. And now this doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Something about something about the directing of this episode I think confused me because didn't didn't the security guard when he investigate no I know he did but I didn't quite it didn't make sense to me the security guard finds the hole in the wall first yes 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 then he finds the security guard who is outside I'm thinking that if you're a security guard and you find a hole in a wall you should be checking inside not going and checking outside your facility right and so it felt like those two were in the wrong order because it's not till after he finds the guard that he goes, oh, I better hit the alarm. It's like, no, there's a big hole in the wall of your facility. Hit the alarm. I think I think that would be that would be reasonable. Yeah. 
It's like, what the heck is this hole here for? Let's hit the alarm. And yeah, unless he had to go outside to find the alarm, which is where he found the guard. But we'll <laughs> uh, it, it It just, I don't know. There were a few things about this that, that were just confusing in the way that they were put together. And I think that's just another one of them that, and, and, you know, the fact that it was not clear to me that that was uh, Charlesworth at the beginning is just because he's so unmemorable face. Really? Nicholas Grace? Well, I, I don't know him, so... I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's been in many, many things that I've seen. You know, it's, it, he's one of those kind of highly recognisable... Oh, I guess you're saying he's not actually that memorable, but to, to me, the kind of British character actor who pops up all over the place without you necessarily um going oh it's so and so but you go oh, i recognize his face well isn't it it's just like when we were talking about forbidden planet a while back and yeah i knew all the actors in it so i had no trouble with their genericness because they weren't yes. to me so Exactly. Uh, it's exactly the same thing because because Nicholas Grace would have been in a number of kind of British standard TV shows. I mean, looking at, the, you know, Midsummer. I'm, I've got IMDb up here. These won't be the things I've seen him in, but be, because I don't watch these things. Midsummer Murders, Casualty, uh, The Bill I watched, but later than I used to watch that. In fact, it's funny. There's loads of things here. I can't find anything I recognise. I know his name from the radio as well. See, so... Don't recognise his face from the radio, though. That is true. That is true. But he, he, um, he, has, he has done a lot of radio stuff as well, I think. Mm. The other cast members, I don't know if you recognised Vermeer. That man is somewhat familiar. I had to look him up. I, I, I was like, I, I know his face, but what, what do I know him from? And uh, again, there are a few things there, but the thing I thought you might connect him with was he was Zelin in Can You Hear Me in the uh, 2020 series of Doctor Who. Oh, okay. So Zelin incredibly is the, sinister the... and full of presence. And in this, he's playing someone who is fairly nondescript and forgettable. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, he did. He was seem... De Decker in Children of Earth as well, and um, he will be recognised as a Lannister by Game of Thrones fans. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I would say his face was familiar, but un unlike, well, I wouldn't say that's not. It's not strictly true in Charlesworth's case. He just had a sort of very sort of that's sort of a go-to generic British Weasley guy face. We, um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I've seen him playing sort of government ministers and things. And it, it, as you say, we, we like to cast Weasley-faced people as government ministers. Unfortunately, we seem to like electing Weasley-faced people <laughs> as government ministers too. But I, I mean, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know. I, I would say that your Weasley-faced ministers are a lot uglier bunch than the ones you do on TV. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> The direction, because you've alluded to it while we're on credits, the direction um, was Ken Grieve, who's directed most of the episodes so far, or the majority anyway. It's it's all divi divided between him and Brian Farnham. Mm. And the writer is Alan Whiting, who hasn't done anything on the series so far, and I'm not familiar with him. But again, like some of the early ones by Duncan Gould, it's from a story by Brian Clemens. Yeah, I saw that part. I didn't catch the writer's name, but I saw the from story by Brian Clemens. So, yeah. What I was going to say was I will give them props for this because I always appreciate it when, when the writer at least takes the 30 seconds to do their math. There are 1,440 minutes in a 24-hour day. And if you run that at 101, it is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. When Roz was giving her breakdown of how long it would take to steal the video. I do think, though, that as a corollary to that, uh, if you send Ed up 20 minutes till 8 o'clock and say you've got 20 minutes to get it, that is, that is a lie. At that point, you have 5 minutes and 40 seconds to get into the machine instead of what they said. Because, you know, Ed might have hurried 
if they'd said, you only have five minutes, Ed. Instead, they say, you got 20 minutes. I got plenty of time. <laughs> I thought that was a little weird, too. The way they structured it. They, they spent the time to figure that out, that it was 14 minutes long. But then they didn't look at the implication of that when they were telling Ed how fast he had to move. I also wanted to say I'm giving a shout out to the guards playing cribbage. I'm so sick of guards playing rummy or or poker. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the fact that they've got guards playing a game where you have to be able to do math. I like cribbage because it's a game where you have to think instead of just like the others. But yeah, so shout out to that. Also, shouldn't Roz and Beckett have been able to hear what was happening on Ed's mic? I don't know, because it's never clear to me whether they sort of do push to talk. But it did seem to me that they had a hole in their security protocols if they were just broadcasting everything to all of their radios without having any way of checking that the person on the other end was actually the person on the other end, if you see what I mean. Also, the fact that their radios are non-specific enough that it's just all three of you, all or nothing. Yeah. Hey, Roz, let's switch to the other channel since Ed's not answering. Just in case. They did They did seem to be specifically trying to broadcast to Ed because it was, oh, Ed, Ed can't, Ed, you can't hear us, but we'll just talk oh, to yeah. you about. <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't within that, they didn't kind of think, well, there might be stuff that it's essential for Ed to know and therefore it's worth risking, but let's think carefully about what information we do transmit because we don't want anything beyond what we want, what what it would be vital for Ed to know. Uh, they, they just prattle on about all sorts of things that it wouldn't be important for Ed to know. I mean, Ed doesn't need to know about Vermeer. Why would you assume that Ed is there and can't respond? Well, exactly. That 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 part is was a, a bad uh, concession to plot or to story. <laughs> But if, you know, if, if say, you did want Ed to go to a certain location, you would say, Ed, go to that location. You wouldn't say, Vermeer has stolen all of the K6, R6, whatever it's called. And that's why you should go to the location. Because clearly that is going to be unnecessary information for Ed and uh, catastrophic if the wrong person hears it, as they happen to do. I'm going to say I can forgive Roz, but I can't forgive Beckett on that. The train spy. Roz is supposed to be the one who's Tech technically savvy. minded. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he should it, be thinking through the implications of it. No unencrypted communications on an open channel. That's just... <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have anything else. I'm I'm going to shout out to the... One of the things that I liked about... And, and it, this is very much to do with what I was talking about in terms of how... Bugs is finding its groove, its signature style, if you like, which is the way in which it uses locations. So in this, I'm like, yay, Docklands Light Railway. And thinking about how this is a pretty cool thing in the 90s because it's new and it's the only, I think, driverless train railway. And that's obviously one of the kind of features of the Isle of Dogs. And Bugs has made a kind of thing like, you know how in the Avengers, Avengers Land is the sort of home counties area. Mm. And and the, it's very, it's got, it's a very recognisable version of England that actually is only a very small corner of England. But it's, it's shot through with a kind of atmosphere that you recognise instantly as Avengers Land. And Bugs has tried to do the same thing and i think it's it's proving to be quite successful but it's taken the isle of dogs as its location was obviously also quite convenient for filming it it's taken the isle of dogs as its location because that's that's cutting edge that's sexy in the 90s and you know bearing in mind this is uh this is four years before they shoot that whole james bond sequence there so they're a little bit ahead of the curve on that hmm is the isle of dogs an actual island it isn't is it or is it just no it's not okay good because i've been on the docklands rail but I, and i seem to recall the area being called that but i 
but I couldn't figure out why it was. It was it was being massively redeveloped in the 90s. So all of the, you know, around Canary Wharf, the Docklands Light Railway, um, I don't, I, it certainly wouldn't have been built at this stage, but I don't know what stage the plans would have been for the Millennium Dome. So it was very much kind of up and coming and they obviously spotted that and cashed in on it. And I think they did that quite effectively. And the other location I really, really liked in this, which I was unfamiliar with, but I had to look it up, is an actual island, which is um, three mills on the River Lee. And the the scene where De Silva and Charlesworth meet and hold Ed hostage is supposedly inside. The, all the exterior shots are the clock mill on the island. And, it, yeah. and, it, and it's, an old, it's an old tidal mill. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why then were the were the why does it look like an oast house? Because that's what I was thinking as well. It looks like an oast house in East London, which is kind of odd. Apparently, no, I wasn't thinking that because I don't know what an oast house is. <laughs> so an oast an oast house. If you if you were if you were to film a show in Kent, where lots and lots of of Kent is the Garden of England, lots of apples grown there, but also lots of hops, which if you're a beer drinker, and I know you're not necessarily, they are, are the kind of key in, ingredient in in um, giving beer the kind of distinctive flavour that it has. And oast houses are so so all the hops are grown round there on these kind of frames, and so that's one familiar thing in the in the kind of Kent landscape. The other are these oat house, oast houses, which are these kind of round houses with these. Um, slightly eccentrically shaped conical tops sort of chimney chimney tops because what they what they are used for is actually kiln drying the hops in order to use them in the brewing process and so you wouldn't necessarily expect to see an oast house in in newham but actually the reason the reason for the 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 chimneys there is that they were drying the grains before they then got milled by the tide mills underneath. Well, interesting that you should say that, because uh, my thought when I saw that building was, in fact, that it was a... On the outside, I thought of a a mill, but I was thinking of a fabric mill. Okay. And, you know, classic Industrial Revolution, inside would be a factory floor with the looms and everything going on that thing. Like mad. That's what I thought on the outside. When he went through the door or the window and you saw the equipment inside, my first thought was it was a brewery. Yes. Yes. And perhaps that perhaps those were the drying floors. I don't know. I I want to I've never been there. I didn't even know about it before I looked up the locations for this episode, but now I want to go and visit it. Well, wait till after the pandemic. <laughs> By the time this goes out, it might well well, let's hope that by the time this goes out. <laughs> Tempting fate. Yeah. I guess we should mention the tag scene, if only to... Oh, yes. Go. Uh, two things wrong with the tag scene, I thought. I mean, the first is the silver turd. They give them that, and you're in business. You want to do repeat business. I mean, for crying out loud, it doesn't matter how awful a thing the client gives you. You say thank you. And you try not to look like they just crapped in your hand. <laughs> Which not one of those three people managed to do that. And and I'm sure Kent noticed because I'm nobody could not have noticed. <laughs> I mean it's hideous. Don't don't get me wrong. It's hideous. Yes, it is. It it, it 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 does look like a silver turd. There's no doubt about that. But like you still go choke it down and say thank you and We'd like to have your business again in the future, please. Please pay our account. And uh, that that part it wasn't funny. I mean, once again, it just it was meant to be funny. It just wasn't them passing it around. Just wasn't funny. And then, what's up with Ed? Have we ever seen in a situation where Ed suddenly launches into a an after dinner speech about climbing Ben Nevis? And no, and it just completely doesn't seem like him at all. This is this is what I've got because I I I have to say I quite liked 
that part of the tag scene. It's 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 a clever Avengers esque twist. You can imagine them when when there's a when there's a gadget from the plot. You can imagine them. Oh, well, I mean, there are examples of them taking the the gadget and then using it in the tag scene in right. a clever way. You know, one person, what what one of the, one of them sort of using it against the other in a jokey kind of a way. So from that point of view, it works well. The problem is you need someone who is a chatterbox. And I've made a note, as you have, that it's completely out of character for Ed. He doesn't go on and on about things. He's actually quite monosyllabic a lot of the time. So all I, all I, all I could say was I'm going to give them the credit for not making it Roz on the basis of nagging woman. Okay, fair enough. Do you know what I thought started when it started? What I thought was happening? As soon as he goes, well, it was like the time I was this this thing, and I'm like, he's trying to chat up Kent. Yeah, that would be in character. That would be in character. But then when he started going on, and he didn't even notice that she was leaving with everybody else, it was clear he was just caught up in telling his own story, (laughs) listening to the sound of his own voice, which he apparently couldn't hear was not making any noise because it wasn't when they turned it on that shut him up. It was when he noticed they were leaving. Yes, that's an interesting question. If you're, if you're within the noise cancelling, if you're within the cone. Would you notice something weird about you, it? No, you see, you're making, me, you're making me think about how it works again and this isn't, this isn't going to make the story any more credible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't their best tag scene. It wasn't their worst tag scene. But they don't typically have too many good ones so far. The lost art of the tag scene. Apparently so. What do we have next time on Bugs? We have a sporting chance. A sporting chance. That sounds very British. (laughs) It's either be fox hunting or cricket. I'm counting on one or or both. Cricket fox hunting. Now that sounds like a sport. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Star Hunter Redux episode, Bad Seed. Please come join the conversation.